guys, and welcome to the Creative Influencer Show, a weekly podcast talking about personal development goals, building a business, Muskoka vibes, and how to get your next project off the ground running. I have been building, designing, and investing in Muskoka properties for almost two decades, and it is crazy how time flies. I'm Amanda McLennan, owner and designer of RB Furniture Shop and RB Design located in Muskoka, Canada. I'm an entrepreneur at the core with an incredible design team, a mom to three incredible humans, and the girl that always needs to know the meaning behind all of life's questions. I have a huge love for surfing, CrossFit, morning coffee, and traveling around the world. So what's the freaking deal? The Creative Influencer Podcast is a brand new platform that I am so excited to share because, well, I love talking and most of the time won't stop chatting. So get ready to have your heart filled with love and your mind filled with inspiration. I am completely obsessed with anything design and personal development. So if that's your vibe, we are going to be besties. Okay, RB Tribe, let's jump in and get started because I know you guys are going to love this episode. Hey guys, before we get started on this amazing episode, I wanted to make sure and chat about how RB Design is completely e-commerce available for all your furniture, bedding, and accessory needs. So go online, go shop, and grab those amazing products that you love all summer, all year round. Flat rate shipping applies, and remember to join the RB mail list to receive 15% off your first online order. Happy shopping, guys! Well, okay, so if you are tuning in to part two of New Beginnings and Belize, then obviously I didn't put you to sleep on the first one. No, just kidding. Side note, it is really, really fun. And I love talking about like these personal trips and travel. And I hope that you guys get a little bit of insight and kind of a chuckle from it. I know that the first part was definitely a little bit heavier. Um, just because it spoke more specifically on the purpose and all of that stuff. If you know my reasons for purpose, the last episode was such a big emotion and lots of feels, but let's literally dive in and get to all the details of what I did when I was living on this remote island in Belize. So... I end up at, it's about five o'clock in the morning and I'm at the Ocean Breeze Hotel. And although I thought, okay, this is a very questionable trip for me. Like the first thoughts going through my head when I woke up, <laughs> I was had packed way too much stuff. I don't know, like, why do I always do that? I don't know why I do that, but I do. And like, I'm all I'm thinking is that I have to walk because I'm Google ha- I've Google mapped where the water taxi is picking up and I'm just thinking to myself like I'm so impractically packed. I have a giant suitcase. It's filled with a whole bunch of stuff. Now keep in mind too, and I will defend my overpacking a little bit. After the one week um trip down to Placencia, I was actually going to head up further north and head up to San Pedro. So I did have a reason to overpack just because I was like spending a couple of weeks in Belize, but still like, I don't know why I do that. I just, I feel like there are some trips that I'll take, especially when I'm traveling for work. Like I'll just do carry on, but I don't know. It's just like, there's a lot of cute bathing suits that I wanted to put into my luggage. So anyways, I make the whip trip into town. It was honestly, it was like about a 10 minute walk. And I meet up with uh, everybody else at the water taxi dock. The Reef CI boat was going to pick up like all of the volunteers at nine o'clock in the morning. And we were told to gather all of the supplies we required, any food or any like anything that you needed, because we would not be able to return back to the mainland for at least a week. Now, that's crazy. Like, I know that, you know, there's a lot of us that think about that, but like the first thing that I was thinking about, especially when I was on this trip was like, do we have enough snacks? Is there enough snacks in my luggage? 
And because I think I've been working out like so much during the summer, like protein for sure. Like I had that in my suitcase, but let's be honest, like aside from like protein bars and granolas and all that stuff, like a girl just wants some snacks on the island, right? Because you know that you're going to be like spending a lot of time and diving. It's going to be really physically exhausting. So I had actually popped into the grocery store prior to going and grabbed some like last minute cookies and things like that. So anyways, yeah. The water taxi dock where I arrived, there were like several other volunteers or at least what looked like some pretty scary, weary-eyed people. Honestly, I feel like we all looked the same. And we loaded all the supplies into the boat and for a brief wait, we were on our way to this remote island. It's called Tom Owens K. You can look it up um, on Google Maps, but it's, it's literally a remote island and it's about 40 miles off the Placencia coastline to the south. The boat that we were on, I actually didn't realize, like I thought it was the boat that we were just taking supplies back and forth, but it was actually the boat that was going to be used for all the dives. And honestly, it would become a place of refuge for me and like all my dive buddies. When we get to the island, it took us about an hour, I'm going to say it was about an hour boat ride. Um, and I mean, like, I, I drive a boat. So I like, we were going pretty, we were going pretty fast, like on this boat. So 40 miles, like we were kind of booking it. We're on there. We're all loaded up. All these volunteers are there. There are some volunteers that had actually returned. Um, and we're doing like, you know, second, third, whatever weeks, because they were trying to accumulate lots of die time hours. But there we are. We're all kind of looking, you know, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, kind of not knowing what was going to, you know, kind of like come about. So we finally pull up. Actually, I took this video of like how as we, as we approached the island, it was super cool. But the island itself looked a lot like, I don't know how to describe it other than like a giant adult camp. Very like, I don't know, like I remember reading um, Lord of the Flies and I just feel like that, like, it cast away Lord of the Flies. Like it definitely had those vibes to it. And it felt almost like Peter Pan, Lost Boy vibes. Honestly, most of the buildings were held together with like sticks and palm leaves and the simplicity of the whole island. It felt like, I don't know, just like a cool kids club that you would have to like secretly be allowed into. So it was pretty like it was vibing like some really cool things, like pretty rustic. I mean, you have to remember, too, like there's not a lot of funding that these like local programs have. So they were building an addition at the time, literally with two by fours. And I'm sitting there and because obviously construction knowledge. And one of the dive masters had come to me and they had, I guess, realized that I worked in construction and did design and they were like, so like, is this built? And I, my, (laughs) I giggle because like my answer back was, you know what? The thing is, is that we're not building to Ontario building code, right? And I mean, this structure doesn't need to support, you know, the next 100 years because the longevity of this is probably like, it's realistically not going to happen. But it's crazy. Like the, like the actual, like just them being able to use what they have and resource things like then I got a whole lot of respect for the people that are running that program. So anyways, so finally we get there. The island looks really cool. It's all um, very like Lost Boys vibes. And that brought the first task was for us, all of the volunteers and the staff to unload the boat. Honestly, guys, there were water jugs, food, wood for the building structures that we were building giant water containers as well as all of our luggage and each of the volunteers then at that time were all assigned to a room there was like this big main building and separate outbuildings that were little like almost like circular stone huts and each inside of the little huts I don't even know I can't remember I think that there was like six of them six little huts in total and each of them had um like one twin mattress now, when I'm explaining this to you, one of my reasons for taking this trip was to become a little bit more humbled. It was to ground myself and live outside of what I can sometimes be like inside a very bougie box here in Muskoka. Let's be honest. Like it's pretty bougie, the stuff that I get to see, do like work with, like some of the projects that I get to be on. And I love that. Like I'm so grateful for that. But when I say rustic, Let's be honest here, guys. This was about five steps down from camping. Now, I'm normally the type of girl that will take one for the team. 
Like as of this summer, I have slept in a tent twice, two whole times guys. And for me, like that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot. I will fully admit I am not a camper. I'm not a rustic adventure seeker, especially when it comes to bugs and small critters running around free willy like all in my home. Nope, it's not for me. When I say that like I've been camping, like one of the camping trips, like one of the times that I had to sleep in a tent this year was because I did the ride to conquer cancer. We had rode over 100 kilometers. Your butt is super sore after riding 100 kilometers on your bike. You get to camp, like the the base camp, the tent's like set up for you. You literally fall into your air mattress, sleeping bag, and you pass out for the night. Like that's my idea. Like I spent one night in a tent. So let's not you know, my level of camping is maybe not the same as everybody's. And I'm okay with that. Like, it's just not something I I mean, I've thought about it. And I want to be more of that person. But I just feel like I'm not like, I just want to be honest, I'm just not all the volunteers that were on the island, like the volunteer, like the team, it was made up of about 10 people. And we like all of us all had different diving level certifications, which was super interesting. Like all of us. So within the 10, like there were some people that I was diving with that had over 10,000 hours of dive time. And there were other people that had never put on an oxygen tank to their back. Like, so a huge array and it wasn't just made up of like obviously volunteers, but there's your dive masters there and supportive staff. There were people that, um, came from all different levels which was super cool because you sort of got to like take little parts and pieces because as you know like in the diving community it's kind of like each person like each teacher sort of gives you a little bit something like a little bit different which was really really cool but everybody had different diving level like certifications which was really interesting and prior to myself like going to Belize I had certified myself so you can go down to the program and have zero certification and do your certifications down there. I thought that it would be more beneficial for myself just to do my open water dive certification. Um, That's a program you can take here. They offer it all across Ontario. I personally did mine down in Toronto just because of the time frame that I had to do. Sometimes you can do them in the pool. Um, and there's lots of different programs. So I used Nawi, which is, there's two main, there's Patty or Nawi. How I understand it is that Nawi is, um, a nonprofit organization where Patty is not. Um, but regardless, it doesn't matter because in the diving community and world, they recognize both of the programs and they're both very similar and you can cross them over. So no problem. So I did my program with Nawi's open water dive certification program, um, primarily it consists of like dives and then a, a pretty, like I would say like a pretty extensive, um, read through and exam. Like the exam took me, I think in at least an hour or two, maybe like it was quite, it was quite a bit for textbook study versus, um, like the dive stuff. So our dives were primarily focused, like, especially for the beginning stuff, they're primarily focused as shore entry drives. So meaning that, you literally have all your equipment in and you walk into the water and what, like how I learned. So my short entry dives were from the beautiful and guys, if you can see my face right now, like a massive eye roll, I did all of my short entry dives from like the Lakeshore Humber Bay location. And for those of you that are not familiar with Lake Ontario, specifically the Toronto Lakeshore, well, friends for me, It was the hand of God moment knowing how I didn't end up with an ear infection and it felt comparable. And I'm not, I'm like literally not vastly like exaggerating this, but it felt like me that it would, how it would feel if you were going dumpster diving. So that's just, I apologize for in advance for any of my dive buddy friends that I've offended but here's the thing is that, again, this is your, you're asking the girl that does not go camping. I mean, I'll, I've been in a tent. I have been in a tent. I've slept in a tent. I have my air mattress. I got sleeping bags. I got my expensive sheets in there. But like when we're going and doing shore entry dives in Humber Bay, like mm, it's just like their the visibility is like maybe a foot or two. And there's a lot of green algae that's down there and they've got like buried things. Like there's different, like, um, you can follow ropes and like go down there and there's like different treasure points and stuff that they have you do while you're doing your certification. 
I'm just saying personally, and I don't mean to be offensive. Like I know a lot of people really enjoy that and they love doing that lake dive. And there were a lot of people that when I was taking the program, they were like very excited to do that. It's not my thing. And I want to be as, um, I don't want to seem like I'm rude. I'm just trying to make a joke out of it. But like, it, it's definitely like for me, like, I just, I don't know. I spent a lot of time in Lake Muskoka and I'm surfing and I, it's like it, Lake Muskoka is a sediment filled lake. So it's got a dark bottom. You can't see a lot of things like you can't leave. Literally, it's very poor visibility because of the sediment at the bottom. But it's clean, though. Like, it's clean. Like, and, you know, when I'm surfing or wakeboarding, like, I don't stress out about getting an ear infection. So for me, I don't know. I compared it kind of like what dumpster diving would feel like. And again, apologize in advance for you guys that, you know, do like doing dives down at the Humber Bay Lake Shore. It's not for me. So we get there, but up until that point, right, I had only done these short entry drives at Humber Bay. Like, so you literally get all your equipment on, you're standing on the lawn, you gear up. And like, when you're gearing enough to go into Lake Ontario, like you got your full hood, like it's a thicker wetsuit that you're wearing. Like you're putting your booties on your gloves. Like it's all the stuff you're really like, you're really full. You're really weighted, um, down. And like, honestly, like I, that's my, that had been my experience to diving up until this point. So I arrive on the Island after unpacking, we all got fitted for equipment. So meaning like we had to get fitted for our air regulators, our BCDs, oxygen tanks, and then everybody was told to make their way to the boat. (laughs) I, this is the same boat that we arrived on. I nervously like anyone I'm on the boat and I'm a hundred percent connected with everything. And the thoughts like going through my head are like, what in the actual heck am I doing here? 10 minute boat ride later and we leave and I'm literally in the middle of the ocean guys. There's nothing around me. There's no shoreline. There's no Island. No, nothing just the ocean and it looks endless and you feel pretty small. I get my equipment on, air check, gauges pump, pump the air into my BCAD, put my fins on, my mask on. And up until that point too, guys, like this is a thing, like just a little side note here, like as a diver, you're responsible for putting on your own equipment. Okay. So when I say equipment, That means your wetsuit, it means your air regulator, it means your oxygen tank, your BCD, like it means everything. And you need to check all of your hoses and valves yourself. Up until that point, I had done four dives, like four dives in total from the shoreline down at Humber Bay. I'm now floating in the middle of the ocean on a boat with some experienced divers that have done this 10,000 times. Like they've done 10,000 dives. I've done four. I am so green that I look like I'm probably, I probably look like I'm about to be sick. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, like what? I haven't even jumped off of a boat to get into the ocean. Like, thank goodness. I don't know. Like I lifeguarded. I did my like course. And when I was a kid, I grew up like around the water. I grew up you know, jumping off Harbor Piers. I am in the water constantly up north, especially when I'm surfing or when I'm wakeboarding. But like, thank the Lord I got confidence with water because I'm telling you, I was nervous, like so crazy nervous, especially you're putting on all of this equipment and to get, put that into perspective, like that equipment is there to save your life. Like your, your oxygen that you need to breathe needs to be checked pressurized gauges everything and I'm thinking to myself I've done four like how what like I'm going now responsible for checking all of this stuff it was crazy it was such a surreal moment so off I go get all the equipment on check all my gauges I pump my air into my BCD which is literally like it's kind of like a life vest like it's kind of like that's where all your gauges like hook in you have like your air pressure tank like your tank pressure you have um you know your you can release um air or not from your BCDs to um float down to the bottom of the ocean, put my mask on and I walk down to the end of the boat. And that's where like one big stride and it would have me out in the middle of the ocean. Now for anybody wondering what that feels like, 
Well, you're loaded to the brim with all that equipment. And by the way, it weighs almost as much as me. Like, and I'm not a, like a super tiny person, but by the time you put all of this equipment on, and by the way, I didn't even have a wetsuit on when I was in Belize because it was just so darn hot down there. Like the average temperature of the water was 86 degrees. Crazy warm. It was almost like swimming, like in a, it's like swimming in a swimming pool. Um, and you know, what does that feel like when you have to literally walk down? And it's a pretty, like guys, it's a pretty big boat. Like it's a boat that it's like a service boat, like kind of like, I don't know what kind of boat they have. Like, um, they have a lot of boats like here in Muskoka where they use them for construction. Like they're like a, like it's a pretty big boat. Like anyway, it was big. It was substantial that like you jump and I'm going to say it's probably 10 feet before you hit the water. So big enough boat to jump off of. Honestly, there's so much equipment that you got to wear when you're a diver. So your oxygen tank, you got your BCD on, you're weighted as well. So let's not forget about that. Like you actually have physical weights. There are lead weights that are on your body. They're inside in this particular um, setup. They were inside your BCD. Sometimes you can wear them as a weight belt, but for me, they're inside my BCD. And again, the BCD, it really just looks like a life jacket. So you're like, okay, like I feel really heavy right now. Big stride goes out there what does it feel like well I can't describe it any other way than I think it would feel like if you were captured on a pirate ship and then Captain Hook came over to you and said hey girl you're not really flying with us right now we're not we're gonna we're gonna kill you and feed you to the sharks and we're gonna make you walk the plank that's what it feels like it feels like I (laughs) I can't describe it as any other way but like I feel like if you're going on a dive trip like that your first time out in the middle of the ocean you can't see nothing you're weighted with lead you got to take a big stride and jump down I feel like it would be like on a pirate ship I just walk the plank that's what I feel exactly I think that's what it would feel like jumping to my death and I'm thinking all in my mind Jesus what the hell am I doing here Okay. As another thing as, and this was, this is a super important thing actually they teach you when you are doing your open water dive is that you need to take your mask off when, so you're fully geared up. Let's reverse this for a little quick second. Fully geared up. You're weighted. You're heavy. You're doing what you need to do. Shore entry, jumping off the boat, whatever that is. When you get down, down to the bottom, wherever you're like your what your dive is and let's just let's just say hypothetically you're down 30 feet one of the tasks that they a lot of the dive masters will make you do is to take off your mask fill it with water while you're underneath there and then what you have to do is you have to press the top so like in between like your eyebrows like you sort of like where the top of like the bridge of your nose is like at that point and then what you do is you blow and it blows the water out okay seems really simple when I'm explaining it the thing is is that you're underneath water when you're doing it right so it's like super unnatural and I don't know about anybody like you got water in your goggles or whatever it's very annoying you got water in there it feels and guys don't forget we're in salt water so the salt water is burning your pupils as well like it doesn't feel real pleasant it's not feel real good all I can think of too the other thing is I'm jumping off um the boat is like I gotta hold on to my mask because if I get water in it it's gonna be just game over for me so that's it's another challenge I mean if anything we can take away from this learning opportunity is that Amanda is very humbled with you know having the walk the plank learning how to hold her mask blowing bubbles out I mean it's a whole learning opportunity and that's why we're doing this right guys I did those boat entry dives two to four times a day. Like actually it was more than that. It was like at least three to four times a day for a whole week. And literally every single day I felt the same way. Pirate, shark, plank, here we all go and I'm going to (laughs) die. I want to tell you that it got better, but I still felt the same way. You just get numb with the WTF moments. That's all guys. Like that's the gravy right there. I am nobody special. I'm not a superhero. I'm not running a country. I have not been to Mars. I've not discovered life on another planet. I'm just regular Joe, Amanda, mom of three humans, your friend, a daughter, motivational person, goal coach. But this stuff scares the literal crap out of me, guys. 
But here's the thing. I think you just got to do the hard stuff, right? In life, you got to push through the discomfort and the shit that is like all the feels in between because badass stories are not created by doing average ass shit, right? Like you want to feel more alive. You want to feel like you've like summited a freaking mountain. You got to get uncomfortable. It's just that freaking simple. Now I get it. Okay. Like I totally realized that I'm like the person, people listening to this podcast, like they're not going to sign up for maybe the walk the plank moments or to hunt poisonous lionfish and dive to the bottom of the ocean multiple times a week. But maybe guys, maybe. And here's the challenge. Like I went there, did some really uncomfortable stuff. Like I'm a mom of three human beings in the middle of the ocean floating walking off a boat to volunteer myself to go down a hundred feet to the bottom of the coral reef with a spear, like a spear to look for lionfish and kill them. Like I, guys, like I'm nobody special. Anybody literally could do it. If I could do it, if I could do it, then you guys can totally do it. And I totally get it that not everybody's going to sign up for these crazy volunteer. Like this was a bucket list trip for me. It was super cool. But the thing is, is that maybe your top of the mountain is just signing up for that 5k run. Maybe guys, it's seeing your family more often. Maybe it's cooking with your kids or maybe it's finally getting the courage to start that business that you keep on talking about. Whatever your mountain is, guys, start climbing it today. Guys, for anybody like, pardon me for anyone that apologize in advance. So pardon me for anybody listening to this that's an advanced diver. And has made multiple trips down to the bottom of the ocean floor. Up until this summer, guys, I was 100% green. Like, I'd never completed a dive. I'd never really thought that much about diving. I never have, like, I don't have friends that dive. I mean, I have friends now that dive, but nothing. Like, nada. Like, nothing. I did, it didn't, it wasn't a community that I was part of, that I understand. Nothing. Like, And did I mention, side note, that Belize has the second largest coral reef in the world? Didn't know that. Outside of the Great Barrier Reef. um, And I never knew that until I signed up for the program. It's pretty cool, right? Like, okay, so let's get back to the Ocean Diaries. Okay, so (laughs) bottom of the ocean, what does it feel like? Well, I think that it feels a lot like what space would feel like. Not that I've ever been to space or I can even make that as like an accurate comparison. I did, on a side note, meet um, Chris Hadfield like one time I had dinner with him and that was really cool. I should totally do a podcast on that. But that guy is the coolest person. I was a total girl crush fan club with him. I was like, please sign my book. I'm here. Um, and I went with um, a bunch of other kind of corporate people. And I literally am such a nerd with it. And I talked to him. And anyways, yeah, Chris Hadfield. Oh, my gosh. I love that guy. Okay, so I feel like the bottom of the ocean is kind of like what it would feel like in space. Never been to space. I don't even know if that's an accurate comparison. But it's like another world down there. Somehow, in like my mind, that's what I think it would be. It's like, honestly, guys, it's beautiful, breathtaking. It's like a scene out of like the little mermaid, all the coral. Oh my gosh. And the thousands of fish, like just swimming around you. It's like the coolest thing. Like these shoals of fish would swim around you and beside you and like underneath you and giant groupers and sea turtles and like stingrays and barracudas. Like there's just, it's so freaking beautiful guys so many people have asked me if I uh, took pictures underneath like in the ocean and the thing is is that in good old Amanda fashion I want I wanted to I actually took my GoPro down there but here's the thing I forgot the memory card yep complete winner over here but honestly as bummed out as I was in the first like couple of days, it became very obvious that I was missing out on nothing. I watched so many of my friends and diving buddies get caught up with their cameras that they were missing out on all of the spectacular views, guys. I saw a giant sea turtle when I was down there and it was the size of the hood of my car and I drive a pretty big car. Like I drive a pretty big SUV. This sea turtle was 
I like magnificent. It was so cool. Like it was, it, it had to have been like over a hundred, 150 years. Like I, it was massive. So, so big. And there were so many of my friends that missed out on that because they were so busy with their cameras trying to take pictures of things. And yeah, I just, oh, it was so beautiful. Like the thing, the things there, there were like multiple people that missed out because especially with that turtle because they were just too busy with their camera and see the thing is focus is critical and for me I lost the memory card but that actually became a blessing in disguise because what it did is it allowed me to focus and truly like embrace the moments I almost think of them as like like photographic memory like time capsules like have you guys ever watched that movie inside out I'm like a mom of like multiple humans. So um, I constantly make reference to life situations and reference to either Disney or Pixar. So apologize in advance. But anyways, the backstory is the movie Inside Out. Riley, who's the main character, has all of her emotions living inside of her head and their joy, sadness, disgust, anger, and like bing bong. Anyways, inside her head is this memory bank and it's kind of like a massive filing system. I think about that, like just that movie and like, especially often when I'm doing these things and I'll just take like a deep breath and truly try to encapsulate the moment to save it for the memory bank. And one that I can add and go back and forth and access as often as I want. Like those beautiful memories are worth more than any picture would serve or be worth to me. I try to do this so much with my kids. Like kids grow like it's crazy. Like our kids are growing so quickly. Like I have three kids and my oldest will be turning 15 next year. And I'm just like, man, like I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of time with them left anymore. And I just really, oh, like I just like the moments that I get, like I was reading to my daughter the other night and we're just like cuddling and I just, I just love those moments. I really just try to like, I think it's just such a good tip to have like in life, like especially when you have little humans or you're doing really cool epic things or on vacation is to really take like a deep breath and just take a moment to really truly appreciate what it is you're doing in that moment rather than get distracted with your phone and trying to snap a picture. I totally get it. Like they're, they're important and believe me, I take lots of pictures, but well, not for this trip because I wasn't taking pictures down on the bottom of the ocean, but Oh, it's just, it's really cool. It's in the memory bank and hopefully, I don't know, my bing bong can help me access that. And uh, yeah, it's so cool. But it's guys, it's so dreamy down there. Like the colors are stunning. Ah, The pure awe, the beauty is just simply breathtaking. Part of the advanced diver course is to learn like diver signs when you're under the water for communication. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but guys, I think this is like the coolest thing ever. I can signal now like how much air I have and then the fact that I just saw a parrot fish or that I've spotted a lionfish. Like all of these signs are different. And I guess it's kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but like maybe like kind of like sign language. And I mean that in like the most respectful way, but they're literally like hand codes and signals that you tap on your arm. And anyways, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's just so freaking cool. And like, yeah, like how much air you have and just, it's just really cool. I just love that. Life on that island, guys, it is pretty fun. Like there's absolutely no service, zero, like not even a bar on your phone. You're not tuning into anything. Like it is completely zero bars. Like we had a satellite phone for emergencies, but that was it. And the cook would make us like three meals a day. There was lots of eggs and rice and beans and fish the food was pretty good but honestly eating the lionfish made for a super tasty treat we played like cards at night we would rest in hammocks played volleyball and we snorkeled during the downtime like just literally floating around the island it was super cool we would were like diving multiple times a day so and probably i would say to the max depth of about 100 feet So we often rested and we let our bodies decompress all the oxygen it had just consumed during the previous dive. One thing is for sure is that diving makes you pretty exhausted. The sun, the salt water, and hunting lionfish, I can share with you that napping was like an essential part of your day in order to make it to the next dive. After all of the dives, 
we would clean all the lionfish that we had caught. So our dive master, who was Sam, had explained to us in detail how to handle the fish with care and more importantly, how not to get jabbed by one of their poisonous spines. On the lionfish, there are 13 poisonous spines that are made up from like the top spine all the way down to the bottom, like anal spines. I'm not sure how many like are on the bottom and how are on the top. But the trick is, is you got to use a really sharp like fillet knife, cut clean and handle it with care to avoid touching the top parts or the bottom parts of the fish. Um, and honestly, like anything, like within a few days I of cleaning the fish, I feel like I became an expert. <laughs> we collected data on the fish for tracking things like male female what the stomach contents were was literally like I again want to try to explain this so that people get an idea and situation but I don't know if you ever remember like biology class in high school where you would dissect the frog it was that that was what we were doing like uh, like we would literally dissect the fish clean it we'd use the meat to eat and then um, take apart the rest of its body to identify for tracking if it was male female what the stomach contents were so we'd literally cut open the stomach see what was inside pretty cool stuff like you could actually see the little fish um, and other types of uh, things that the the lionfish was obviously eating they have sometimes the lionfish have like these uh googles they're called like they're little dangly antennas like that come kind of in front of their eyeballs and um, sometimes they have them and sometimes they don't. We have to track that. How long they were, the fin lengths, like all this stuff. All the fish that we cleaned, we ate. And we, it was used to feed the volunteers and the staff on the island. But honestly, it helped cover the costs and the expenses of some of the dive masters. Um, they would also make jewelry um, by using different parts of the lionfish. So like they would take off their skin. They would dry it out. They would cut their fins um, and again, dry it out. And they would dry them out in these large baskets. So some of our times our jobs was to cut that off as well. After each dive, the cleaning of the fish would finish with any, like any of the extra carcasses that we'd have um, left over. What we would do is they'd literally go into like a, a big milk crate and um, we would go down to the dock and feed. Um, and the island's not very big. Like it's a pretty small island. So You'd walk down to the bottom of the dock and uh, we would feed the nurse sharks and the eels. Now, don't tell the, the volunteer directors that were there. We were not allowed to hand feed them, but I'm going to be honest, a lot of us were. There's something really cool as an experience being able to like hand feed a nurse shark. That That's really cool, especially when they're pretty big. Um, yeah, it was just we would go down there and, and feed it and like these giant like eels would come out and it was just like the coolest thing um that I felt like oh it was it was just like such a learning opportunity like guys like this is not my world like I don't know anything about biology or tracking fish or diving or like I'm pretty much like in construction and design I mean you asked me a question on that and I'm pretty well versed like I can talk furniture for days I know that but like you get to me on like, you know, cross, like all these things that I do often. So I feel like I'm pretty well versed in some of the things, but like tracking, uh, fish in the ocean. No, I don't do that. It was so cool to be like such a green, like student that's in there and just like, ah, I love all that stuff. And I definitely think that like, I don't know, I think marine biology is pretty cool. Like if I came back and did it all over again for Amanda, like number two, I think that, yeah, that definitely would be a really, really cool uh, thing to do. What we did do is actually on the island, there are leatherback turtles that will come up and lay their, they lay their eggs on the island. They bury them in the sand and, um, they never know where they're buried. So there was a bunch of hatchlings that hatched on the island when we were there and we released them into the ocean. And that was so cool. Like these tiny little baby turtles and they're just like literally like Nemo again, another, another children's movie reference, but we released them and put them into the ocean and they're just like so cool. So I love that. I love, uh, I've actually seen that before. I've been to a lot of beaches or tried to travel a lot of beaches in Costa Rica and um, I've I've seen that before where they have like these little um, biology sort of tracking stations that are there and they track all the data for the turtles. But anyway, super, super cool. I love that. It was such a cool experience. And uh, I'm so grateful that I was able to do that. So during the middle of the week, I was like, I was starting to feel really good, like getting comfortable in my dives. I was learning underwater signals. 
I was resting. I was having lots of naps and hammocks. Like life as a castaway living on that Tom Owens K Island was feeling pretty darn cool. And Cook had made this yummy dinner. It was probably around 7.30. I headed to my hut to go to sleep. And I was like thinking to myself, this is going to be the best sleep ever. I was sun-kissed, full tummy, salt water in my hair. Sleep gains are going to be next level here. So I climb into bed. It's around 8.30. I end up falling asleep after I was reading for like a little bit. Now to paint this picture... And man, we need the details here. It's dark on the island, like super dark because there's no light pollution. And also because we had just released those baby hatchling turtles, we wanted to ensure that there was no like zero light pollution. So like we wanted the turtles, the turtles need to be guided by the moonlight in order to like obviously not come back onto the island. So it was pitch black, like pitch black. Um, I wake up, it's probably like 1215. I remember looking at my watch, like 1215. And I'm, I have a digital watch. So I have a digital like Garmin watch. So it lights up and it tracks my sleep, by the way, which is super cool. But also, let's get back to the point. It's 1215. I looked down at my watch and I think, yes, the morning bell at camp doesn't go till 7am. And I've got so much more time. Like I already feel so rested. I love waking up like that, guys. Like, and when you think that you've got another, like a whole another sleep round, it's like the best, right? Like it's that moment of like, sure, like just, I don't know. It's like true bliss where you're just like, yes, I've gone to sleep. I look over and I'm like, oh, it's not 5 a.m. No, it's good. Like we're still midnight. Like, oh my gosh, I still like, I've got a whole another level of sleep to get conquered here. And then out of freaking nowhere, I feel something crawl on my leg. And I also want to paint this picture for you. Inside of this hut, it's pretty freaking rustic, guys. Like, and let's use this word, rustic. Like camping, again, it would be the five steps up. Inside the hut, it's made of coral. Like the walls are made of coral, so there's lots of little holes um, to the outside. And there's also just a single mattress and my luggage. That's it. So I'm all rested. I wake up and I feel this thing crawling on my leg. And guys... For me, that's like freaking game over, like game over. And when I say crawling on my leg, like I knew that this little thing, this, this thing was weighted, weighted on the heavy scale. <laughs> it wasn't little. It wasn't a fly. I knew that for sure because I've had a lot of flies land on me and I, I know what that feels like a little lightweight, right? This wasn't a lightweight. It was a heavyweight. And I'm thinking to myself, nope, not this, like, not, not this shit. I absolutely no way signed up for this. And I'm just praying to the good Lord above to hope that the generator is still good or it's charged my room light quickly. So I leap, wait, like out of bed, like with like how one of those athletes would leap out of bed. I don't even know if that's the correct term, but like the ones that jump over the bar with like the, like I leap, literally leap out of bed like I'm on the Olympic team at this point leap out of bed and somehow I managed to grab the string for the light bulb and I turn it on in the room and there they were two friendly cockroaches that are now scattering up the walls and on the floor like everywhere (laughs) so quickly guys I dive for my flip-flop and number one meets death pretty swiftly and I like for guys listening, anybody like well aware graphic stuff is about to come here with the cockroaches. So for any of you listeners that are pro cockroach, the time to tune out now. Guys, these things are on steroids. Like they're massive. They're the size of a small budgie. Like they're huge. And good Lord, what the actual heck? The other number two cockroach is now missing. I quickly turn around, span the room. Number two is now missing. And then I see him running up the ends of the wall, and then underneath the mattress, which I quickly flip over and find freaking nothing. Guys, great. Like number two is still missing. Now it's 12, 23 a.m. in the morning, and it can't come quick enough. Guys, number two cockroach is clearly like it's he's clearly crawled underneath the freaking mattress. And guys, if there's one thing that can come away from this trap, it is that I am 100% 100% a changed person from this. I am more of a humbled version of myself. And I bet 
you thought that I would be on here because I've discovered like this amazing thing at the bottom of the coral reef on this magical journey, like Little Mermaid or something like that. No, it's because I had two freaking giant cockroaches in my bed crawling over me in the middle of the night. And guys, to help understand my takeaway from this, I sell like $300 sheets in my store, which I love. I love. I live for that. There are certain things in my life that I live for. And these are some of the things that I just, I'm not going to substitute. The sheets are one. I don't care if I'm struggling to pay something. It makes me feel good when I sleep good. And I don't like sleeping with bugs. Like I just don't. It makes me uncomfortable. These are cockroaches. They're not the size. Like, and sometimes the odd, like something might be like, I get the whole, but no, no, it's just not where I'm like, I, I'm living in a hut And I've got cockroaches in my room. They're sleeping with me. And this is the real thing. This is what I'm dealing with. Finally, I think to myself, like, I got to just get through the night. Breakfast the next morning on the island is interesting because of the age bracket. Me being the senior, well, actually, wait. There are way more younger peeps than me on the island. And I'm probably old enough to be, like, their cool auntie. But, like, not their mom. I'm not old enough to be their mom, but kind of like their cool aunt. So... The thing is, is that with that, like I'm up early, I don't, I don't want to say that's because of my age, but I'm just like an early bird. And it's not because I, just because I've like trained my body over many years to like wake up. I also just, as you know, went to bed at eight 30. So I am pretty rested now at this point up until from 12 to seven, which was pretty intermittent sleep. If we look back on the Garmin for details. <laughs> also note, like I'm a beast with bedtime and I often go to my like side note, bed before my kids like at nine o'clock sleep for me over the past few years it's critical for my productivity and one thing is for sure I will not compromise on that also there was a missing cockroach in my room that served me with a full night's sleep with the lights on at this point and I don't know like somewhere I read that cockroaches won't come out if the lights are on I don't know if that's even true but I convinced myself of that to end up on the outside of the hut for the 7 a.m. wake up bell because that was the only thing that was going to get me through the night. Anyways, I finally stumble out of the hut and guys, out of nowhere, you, you can't leave. You can't make a freaking complaint to the host. You can't get a refund. And I'm not trying to justify like this cockroach in the big picture of things. It's way less problematic for me that there are eels and sharks that I was just swimming with. But for me, I was a newbie. And like me... And again, I don't know if this is because of my upbringing and my childhood, but I didn't want to be the Karen running out of the hut and telling everybody that I had cockroaches or evening visitors. Um, so I just totally played it cool and I grabbed myself a coffee because naturally that's what you do. <laughs> so out of all of the volunteers, there was this guy and let's just call him Steve-O. steve was out there and he's drinking a big old cup of java. And he's at the picnic table for his morning pick-me-up. Anyway, Steve, he's like a cool guy. And he's currently enlisted in the U.S. Army. So I casually sit down beside him. And guys, it took me about like four seconds before I like unleashed to Steve-O what had just happened to me in the middle of the night. I'm like, Steve-O, I had a freaking cockroach in my bed last night. (laughs) Well, his face must have been what I was thinking because he was not shocked. Clearly, like he wasn't even like he wasn't even flexed by it. He turns to me and says, yeah, I have them in my room too. I went and I bought a tent prior to this trip and I just pitched it inside the room. I'm like, guys, like hold on, like hold that for a hot minute. This is why I shouldn't be on the island. Like I packed cute bathing suits, new lemons. I did not pack a tent. Like who was packing a tent to come to the island? I didn't know that you had to do that. There was, that wasn't part of the checklist. Like sign me up. I got my diver certification. I brought my fins, my mask, my snorkel, my like wetsuit. I didn't pack a tent in my suitcase. He shares with me that his field barracks have in the army, the U S army, the field barracks have better living conditions than what this is right now. Now this is all in good fun. And there's no offense to this program. But I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm like a total badass. I just slept with some cockroaches. This guy in the army is telling me that's like, it's pretty lit with the field barrack stuff. Like, this is kind of sketch what's going on here. He then says to me, hey, I got a mosquito um, net. Do you want, do you want to have it? Because I got my tent and that should keep the cockroaches out. 
guys, this is what we were dealing with, right? In Belize. It didn't turn into so much of a marine mission. It was like, how do you keep the cockroaches out of the coral hut for magical night's sleep? So you betcha, what did I do that night? I cocooned myself with this mosquito net like around myself because in hopes that I thought, you know what? The cockroaches aren't going to crawl on me. They're just going to crawl on top of this net. And at least that way, if I wake up and I see them, there's a defense. The tiny little, you know, netting is going to protect me from the cockroaches in the room. (laughs) Guys, the rest of the time on the island, I spent napping in a hammock because I felt like the cockroaches preferred the hut more than the hammock. It, It was pretty amazing. This program, guys, the Reef CI, it's an amazing learning opportunity. Um, And I know I was just like kind of poking fun at the cockroaches. Hey, man, like they exist, right? They're down there. They're doing what they got to do. I mean, the it was pretty crazy. That's that's probably the most extreme that I've slept in. But I mean, the benefits totally outweigh what you're doing to hunt some poisonous line of fish, be down there, clean them, learn so much. I mean, it was totally worth it. It's just in that moment, right, where you're like sleeping in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, we got some visitors. It was pretty crazy. But honestly, the Reef CI, it was an amazing learning opportunity. And to be able to take me, I'm pretty green, a newbie, like, and for myself, it's like pretty incredible for them as teachers. I had zero diving experience, zero knowledge of marine life, zero knowledge about coral reef. And I feel so grateful that during my lifetime that I was able to share space and learn from these guys who, by the way, are working so incredibly hard down there with very little supplies and funding. And guys, when I say this all the time, when you put yourself outside of your comfort zone, when you are the person that is nervous as hell, walking into a room when you are struggling to press on and go because it literally scares the crap out of you that's when you go that's when you commit like a beast and go full send because on the other side of that fear there's so much growth and power that your life legend is craving for Thank you so much, guys, for listening to this episode on The Creative Influencer Show. I hope that you've gained some inspiration today and you have left with your heart and your mind a little bit more full. I love using this platform to chat, inspire, and discuss everything that lights my heart on fire. Guys, we're a small business, so every like, DM, and subscribe makes a difference to us and it keeps us going. We read every single one of them. Love it. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social on Instagram or Facebook. If you love what you heard, guys, please share and subscribe to this podcast. Share with two of your friends, spread the word, and make sure to remember to love your home. Until next time, RB Tribe, be kind to one another and remember to be inspired and love your home.